0: Thank you, Isabel. I, uh, I said this morning in our pre-service prayer, which I invite everybody to be part of our pre-service prayer. Uh, it's at 915. We pray from 915 to 945, which that prayer meeting is why our church services are so powerful.
1: <laughs>
0: and, uh, and so I invite everybody to be part of that in there. Everybody was fellowshipping instead of praying, and I said, I need a little bell. And Bella says, I'm a little bell. (laughs) That that was cute. After church today, I'm going to be facilitating a one-on-one. It's a getting to know the gathering place. We have a spiritual growth track, which is uh, belonging to Jesus and to his family. And then it's becoming more like Christ, and then building the kingdom of God, and then bringing others to Christ. And as the four B's, so belonging and becoming, uh, building and bringing. And so I'll be doing that class. If you have not signed up for that class, you're still welcome. We, we uh, ordered a few extra sandwiches just in case you want to come. And, it's a, and it's, uh, I'll be sharing the vision of the church, how our church began, why we're here, where we're headed, and how you can fit into that vision. You can also answer any questions that you have about the church. That's right after service today, right uh, in a small room right here on the second floor. And uh, free lunch, if nothing else. You can't beat that. Amen? We are in a series simply called Hope. I want to welcome our online community. Thanks for being with us today. I pray that God touches you powerfully today through His Word. And today I want to talk about finding purpose in the pain. How many of you have ever experienced a hardship in life? Okay, so I've got a couple. For about half of you have, half of you haven't. How many of you ever have ex- have ever experienced a hardship in life? Raise your hands. Come on. A betrayal of a friend, injustice, a hurt, a pain, an abandonment. Uh, you know, robbery, depression, anxiety, fear, suicide ideation. Uh, you were mishandled by a parent. I mean, life is hard. Jesus actually said that. He prophesied that. Jesus said, in this world, you will have trouble. Thank you, Jesus, for prophesying that over the entire human race. No, he didn't. He was just, he was, we live in a fallen world, and there are fallen people in a fallen world. We're all broken. We're all fallen, and then we got the devil, and he capitalizes on our weaknesses and our brokenness, and he tries to Uh, drive deep into our insecurities our fears our hurts tries to divide marriages and run kids off afflict with sickness and disease wreck your finances but jesus has come to give us life and give it to us more abundantly so we are caught in the middle of this cosmic warfare over souls god loves you satan hates you and we're right in the middle of it but we are not left alone god is with us But when you're in the middle of pain and suffering, you can feel like that's not true. So where do you find hope in the pain? And that's what I want to talk to you about today. Is we can look beyond the trial and see God's promises as our hope. But there's also hope in the midst of the pain too. And so I want to talk to you about that today, but Here's something that many of us do that I just so want to encourage you not to do today. Many people distance themselves from God or disconnect from Him because of the pain they experience in life. And when you disconnect yourself from God, you disconnect yourself from your source of comfort as you're going through that pain. You're going to go through the pain anyway. And when you distance yourself or disconnect yourself from God, now you're going through the pain by yourself. And that makes it a million times worse. Look at the apostle Paul said, who went through more pain than you and I will ever experience. All you have to do is read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Everybody say 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Paul lists all the hardships he went through in life. And it is brutal just to read what he went through. And this is what he says. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, that's a key. Woo! Boy, Paul, this isn't in my sermon, but I'm going to give it to you for free. Paul learned how to praise in the midst of the pain. Ooh! Man, what a key. What a key to release in heaven on earth. Satan wants you to sit soaking sour in your pain, but Jesus wants you to praise your way through the pain. Amen. Because why? Because God does what with the praises of his people? Inhabits. He inhabits. He sits down in. He dwells in. He lives with you in the midst of the pain. If you will praise him in your pain, it's an invitation. God, I'm inviting you into my pain. Rather than God, why? It's God come. All right? All right. So you write, for those of you that know the Bible and the book of Acts, chapter 16, God gives Paul a dream to go to a certain town to preach the gospel. That's divine direction. So he goes to that town. And there was some lady that was following him around, and she had a demon, and it was annoying Paul, so he cast a demon out of her. Unfortunately, she was the fortune teller for the businessmen in that town. So they got mad because now they don't have this, this demonic source for prosperity. So they have Paul arrested and they beat him and put him in prison. So he's down in this prison. That's just nasty. It's at midnight. He and his partner, Silas are in prison, wrongly imprisoned. He was just doing the will of God. For those of you that have been taught or believe that if you give your life to Jesus, it's all going to be easy, easy from here wake up and smell the coffee life was hard already you give your life to christ now satan has a target on you but don't be afraid of him because the bible says if you will submit to god and resist the devil the devil will flee from you you see so jesus says that he's given us all authority over all the power of the enemy that we can tramp on serpents and scorpions so though satan's coming we have more power than he does in christ Okay, And praise is one of those weapons. This, again, is not in my notes. Somebody needs this today. This is for somebody. Paul and Silas falsely accused, wrongly imprisoned, beaten, and in the dungeon of a prison at midnight. What would you be doing? What would you be doing? Well you see, here's oh my gosh, it's such a great thing. Jesus, before, right when Jesus called Paul, he said, I have told I've told Paul the things he is going to suffer for my name's sake. Jesus told Paul, You're going to suffer. If you serve me, you're going to suffer. You see, this is so important to understand because if you don't think suffering is part of the Christian walk, then you will get disillusioned and confused and angry at God. Why is this happening to me? Because you're a Christian. Because you're on the battlefield. Because you have an enemy. His name is Satan, the deceiver, the liar, the destroyer. Ultimately, we will win. But in the middle... In the, in the meantime, we're in a battle. You're on a battlefield. You know you're not on a cruise ship, right? You're on a battleship. Amen. You know that, right? When you say yes to Jesus, you just said yes to picking up your weapon, and you were in the army of the Lord. And God gave you his armor. Not just armor. Armor alone lets us know that we're in a battle, right? But God's like, no, you need supernatural armor because you're coming up against a supernatural enemy. So the Bible says God gave us his armor. That tells us right there the level of spiritual warfare that we're engaged in. If God says, you need my armor, yours won't do. Give me your BB and I'll give you my AK-47. You know what I mean? (laughs) Give me your air gun. You think you're all that. You cannot stand up against the, the devil. You need my weapons of warfare. So what's Paul do? Paul and Silas. At midnight, when you and I would have been whining and complaining and asking God why, it says Paul and Silas raised their hand and started praising. Started worshiping God. No band, no drums, no electric guitar, no sound crew, no camera. Just Paul and Silas in the dark, back bleeding, falsely imprisoned, beaten. They started worshiping. He says, praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. you know what happens next? Freedom. The chains fell off their arms. Supernaturally. Praise will break the bonds of Satan. And it says that the chains came off all the prisoners. Your freedom will bring freedom to all those around you. You can whine if you want. And you'll be in bondage. And everyone around you is going to have to put up with your Whining. Or you can praise God and you get set free and everyone around you benefits from your freedom. Come on. What do you want to be, a victim or a victor in this life? We all suffer. We're all going to suffer. So what are you going to do with the suffering? How are you going to respond to the suffering? How are you going to behave in the suffering? Are you going to go through it with God or without God? That's a choice all of us get to make. Paul and Silas said, "We're we're going to go through this. Injustice with God, we, and, all this, and then all the prison doors break open. And the, and the guard sees what happened, and uh, you know, the lights come on for him, falls down at Paul's feet and says, what must I do to be saved? So the jailer takes him home, cleans his wounds. Paul baptizes him and his entire family, and that's where the Philippian church was birthed, out of pain and persecution. Because he chose praise instead of pity, self-pity. None of that's in my notes. That was for someone. Choose praise in your pain rather than self-pity, and you just might get your chains falling off. Woo! And now you have something to offer others, which Paul goes on to say. Nice segue, Holy Spirit. Thank you. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that, everybody say so that, so so that we can comfort those in trouble with the comfort we ourselves received from God. You can reject his comfort, say, where were you? Why did you? Why didn't you? You see, when we distance ourselves from God, it's because we are wrestling with whether God is the source of our suffering or God allowed the suffering. Why hasn't God stopped the suffering? Or maybe God will use the suffering You get into all this theological questioning about the suffering. But there's two questions that I think are wiser to ask. One how am I going to respond to this suffering? Which we just talked about. Secondly, am I going to go through this suffering with or without God? Satan surely hopes that you will go through your suffering without God. He, his, whole, his whole goal is to separate you from God. In the Garden of Eden, that was the first thing he did. Adam and Eve walking with God in the cool of the day. And Satan comes into the garden. And his whole agenda was to somehow separate Adam and Eve from their creator. And he was successful. He just simply tempted them with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And guess what? He's using the same three things ever since. And it it works on us, doesn't it? The lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh. Gimme, give, give me, give me, give me, give me. I need more, 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 more. Materialism and greed and gluttony and ah ah I gotta have more, 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 more. It's our flesh, right? Ah, gotta have him, gotta have her, gotta have that, ah, ah. And then advertising, they feed on that, man. They capitalize on that. Make you feel like you're less than, right? If you're gonna be cooled, you gotta own this watch, you gotta have that hat, you gotta have these clothes, you got you gotta look like him, you gotta look like her. You know, they've got more than you do. That's all materialism, right? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. I control my destiny. I am in charge of my life. There is no creator. There is no God that I have to I am God. That's the pride of life. He's still using the same three things, and they're still working. So he separates Adam and Eve from God. Now he's got them. So today I want to talk to you, and this clearly is going to go into next week too, (laughs) I want to talk to you about how to suffer well, and if you do, what you can expect on the back end of that. I want to walk with you down through 1 Peter chapter 5, and look at four things to do as you suffer with God and then four things you can expect because Peter is writing to a community of Christians that were suffering the persecution was dramatic to say the least what these Christians were going through was unmerciful I don't know if you've ever read a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs I read like a quarter of it and I've never picked it up again It has story after story after story after story after story after story after story story of the Christians that were persecuted in in the first century, first and second century, and what they went through because they raised their hand and their loyalty to King Jesus. We think we suffer because God didn't answer one of our prayers. So he's writing to this group of people and it applies to us as well. There's four things to do, he says, when you're suffering. You guys ready for them? Okay, we'll get through as many as we can. We'll probably get through a couple of them. Number one, the number one thing to do when you are going through suffering is humble yourself. Humility. It's the greatest weapon you have against Satan. Humility opens heaven and closes hell. Pride closes heaven and opens hell. If you're going to survive and thrive on the battlefield, you've got to humble yourself. Because if when you're prideful, you're up here like this. Can you imagine being out in the battlefield? You're a soldier out on the battlefield and you're going like this. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. <laughs> What do you do on a battlefield, man? You go low, right? You go low. Humility is the safest way to go through life. The sweetest way to go through life. And it is the key to God promoting you. Look what this says. 1 Peter 5, 5 and 6 says, likewise, you younger people. Now, the reason he says likewise is because he just talked about the older people, talked about the pastors and the elders of the church, the spiritual community, saying you're overseers of God's people, but do it uh, with gentleness. Do it with pure motives. Take care of God's people. They're his treasure. Then he goes on and says, likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Don't we love that word submit? Doesn't it make you just want to do it? Don't we love that word submit? <laughs> you know why we don't like it? I ain't submit to nobody. What is that? Yeah, that's why we hate that word. But it's safe. Submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another. Isn't that interesting? The older are to submit to the younger, but the younger are to submit to the older as well. The older... How's that work? What's that? Treat each other as humans. humans. That's a good place to start. Not less than. Not better than. Everybody has something to offer. The older generation has something to offer the younger generation. The younger generation has something to offer the older generation. And when we shut each other down... That's pride. Considering the older older generation irrelevant, out of touch, have nothing to offer. It's our turn. We know. You don't know. You don't understand. What do you mean I don't understand? I went through what you went through. I've gone through everything you're going through. I've already lived that part of my life. Yeah, but it's different. Not really. Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, pride of life. The Bible says there's nothing new under heaven. I know what it feels like to be in love. I know what it feels like to be betrayed by a friend. I know what it feels like to, to be broken up, you know, by a girl. I, I know what it feels like to fail. I know what it feels like to succeed. I, know, right? I mean, I've been through school. I know what that feels like. I've been on a sports team. I've had a job, been fired from a job, I quit a job, couldn't find a job, had money, didn't have money, been sick, been healed. I mean, come on. The older generation has been through it. And they have something to offer. The younger generation, though, they've got something to offer, too. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They have energy. They have innovation. They have new ideas. I mean, for the younger generation, you know, if an older person is trying to give you advice, what does humility look like? Listen. Listen. Anybody else? Is that about it? What's humility look like? Being wrong. Maybe try Ooh, the admitting that you're wrong. What's that? Maybe try, the advice. Maybe try the advice. See what happens. And then, of course, the younger to the older, like, you know, they might come up with something like, hey, we're going to start using an app for the church. No. And the older generation says, oh, I've, been, I, I've been serving. I, I was serving God before apps were even a thing. Don't tell us how to do church. Right. He's like, preach it, pastor. <laughs> it's whose turn is it, right? Who has something to offer? A, this here it says, be clothed with humility. What does that look like? Be clothed with humility, that's a term from that, from this first century where the slaves in the house would wear literally, the way that you could tell the slaves from none, those that were not slaves was by their apron. So the slave what Oh, sorry about that okay well let's say you are let's say you are good looking let 's say you are better looking than everyone else let 's say you are richer, more educated, live in a larger home, have a better job, have power what 's humility do with that no what 's pride do with that? You wear it so everybody can see that you're better than they are, right? What does humility do? What did Jesus do? <laughs>
1: oh
0: my! Would you like to preach this morning, Rick? Why don't you just come on up here? <laughs> Who's preaching better today, me or Rick? I think it's kind of neck and neck right now. <laughs> jesus the son of god all of heaven is worshiping him talking about having having you know more followers he has you can't count his followers in heaven all the angels of heaven everybody bowing down and worshiping him talk about wealth owning heaven the universes that he created earth all of it i mean talk about power But the Bible says Jesus, though he is God, came down as a man, and it says he made himself of no reputation and put on the garment of a servant. And that one time when his last supper with the disciples, where he literally says he put on a towel, you know what that was? It was an apron. It was the garment of the lowest level servant of the house that would wash people's feet when they came in from walking across town in their sandals in the first century. And then the lowest level servant of the house, the lowest employee of the business would have a basin and wash the dirt off the people's feet. So Jesus gets up from supper, puts on that particular outfit that they all knew what it was. And he begins to wash their feet. That's why Peter said, no, Lord. And Jesus said, my kingdom is completely, it's not upside down, it's right side up, but completely 180 from the way the world operates. He says, if you want to be great in my kingdom, you become the servant of all. You help others succeed. If you're rich, if you are smarter, if you're better looking, if you have more power, cloak it. When you're in the presence of those who have less than you do. Don't make them feel worse to make yourself feel better. Cloak it. Ask them how they're doing. Paul said, don't be interested in your, your own things, but be interested in the things of others. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's just thinking of yourself less. Humility is thinking about others. Like you tell me, what does humility look like? Just give me some examples. What does humility look like? Give me some words, phrases, thoughts. Not boastful? Not boastful. Honorable. Honorable? What does that mean? Like when you give somebody honor. Oh, giving honor to others. Yes, yes, yes. I shine the light on you. You can't do it on your own. You admit you can't do it on your own. You're saying admit you're wrong, admit you can't do it on your own. What else what's humility look like? Um, unselfish? Giving. giving Kindness. Hmm? Kindness considerate, considerate? Sacrificing, yielding to others? This is what this is what Peter says to do. Likewise you younger submit yourselves to your elders. All of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Ah, why? Woo! wow why because i'm a christian i'm supposed to no read this next phrase say it out loud with me for god resists the proud but gives grace to the humble how many of you want god to resist you talk to the hand the word resist literally means to frustrate your promotion. You're trying to get into a position. You're trying to get higher, you're trying to get farther, and it's just frustrated and frustrated and frustrated. It just won't work out. So if, what's, what's, oh, it's the devil. It's Satan. It's you. Ah, it's, it's, is, ah, ugh. right? You're trying to get ahead and get it. You know, you know what it might be? It might be God. Aren't you glad you came this morning? Isn't this an encouraging message? God resists the proud. Why? Because pride comes from Satan. Pride is what caused Satan to be thrown out of heaven. I will be like the Most High, Satan said. He was a worship leader in heaven. He was an archangel. It says pipes came out from his being. He led worship, but he wanted to be worshiped. And so he got a third of the angels to revolt against God because he wanted to be exalted. He wanted to be in God's place and position. And that's why Jesus said, I saw Satan cast out of heaven like a lightning bolt, fell to the earth. Now what's he do? Now he comes to us because he hates us because he hates God and we're made in his image. And what's he try to do? He tries to get us to operate in pride. Because he's got you when you're in pride. He's got you when you're in pride. He's got you. Because now you're on his turf, his playing field. You're acting like him. We are acting like him. But God gives favor, grace to the humble. What's humility look like? Not holding on to an offense. You hurt me. Yeah, we've all been hurt. And we've hurt others. That offense is about you. You have been hurt. They have done something to you and your life. And that unresolved offense. It's all about me, 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 what they did to me, 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 what they didn't do for me, 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 me. And it festers. And you know what? You know, you know, you know who gets to like lead you around by the nose? Satan. Believe it or not, that's pride. Humility says, you owe me nothing. God has forgiven me, so I forgive you. I, I release you and I'll let you go. You do that, and it says God gives grace and favor to the humble. It's humble to do that. Forgiveness takes humility. Getting it, getting it, off, of you, getting it off of you and just letting it go is one manifestation of humility therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of god that he may do what Exalt Huh? god doesn't mind us being exalted in fact he wants to exalt you but he wants to exalt you he doesn't want you to exalt you he wants, he wants to exalt you in what your time no, <laughs> Ah, it's so frustrating. (laughs) And due time. Our time and God's time are not, I think his watch is broken personally. (laughs) Right? Under the mighty hand of God. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Hands handle things. We want to control the outcomes, people, behavior, life. We want to control. You notice how we're born like this? And then we die like this. God's trying to go before we die. Everybody go like this. You're not dying. I'm not saying die. Just. It's relinquishing control of your husband, your wife, your kids, that injustice, your circumstances, you're relinquishing control. This is so hard for us to do. Why? Because we don't trust God. I mean think about think about how long it took for David, who was anointed the next king of Israel at 15 years old, it took until he was 30 years old with suffering in between the anointing and the and the kingship, there was just suffering for 15 years. When, when, when Samuel anointed David as king for, for at 15 years old, you know, and then he slays Goliath, and then the king promotes him as a captain in his army. And then they're singing songs. Saul's killed us a thousands, but David's killed us ten thousands. David's probably thinking, he's got the king's daughter. He's like, whoo, I've arrived. I'm about to be king. Wrong. (laughs) You're about to run for 15 years and live in caves and be falsely accused and maligned and your reputation's going to be destroyed. Even the enemy's not going to want you. If you read 1 Samuel chapter 30 in Ziklag. Don't have time to preach on that. Or Joseph. God gives him two dreams. Your brothers and your sisters and your your brothers and your mom and dad are going to bow down to you. Wow. It just feels like when God speaks to you, when he gives you a vision or a dream or a hope or a promise, it just feels like it's going to happen in the morning, doesn't it? It's just so full of divine energy and you have faith. God spoke when God speaks, His life is in what He says, and it hits you. And zzzz. Whoa! Zzz, it was—I think it was—thirteen years later, beaten, abandoned, falsely accused of rape, prison, abandoned in prison by a couple guys that he helped out. That hey, returned the favor, and they didn't. The prime minister, Abraham, 25 years, Paul, 15 years. I mean, the suffering is part of the Christian walk. What are you going to do with the suffering? That was point one of four. (laughs) I I just think that this clearly is enough to do something with right now. Where can you humble yourself? Where can you humble yourself? Where can you relinquish control to God? What offense have you been hanging on to that has distorted your personality, robbed you of your joy, given you the worst attitude that anybody could possibly have, made you a victim, affecting your relationships with people and with God? What offense can you let go of right now and just say it's not worth it? It's not worth it. It's not worth it. it. Look, I promise you something. If you will forgive somebody, they leave your hands and they end up in God's hands. Don't know what will happen? It could be good, bad, or ugly for them, depending on how they respond to God. But we'll look at this next week about casting your cares. As long as you have your hands around that person's throat, God is not going to bring the justice that you need and that you want. And He may be merciful to them. Which when it's all said and done and you get to heaven, you'll realize that was a petty offense compared to what was at stake, heaven and hell, that person's soul, my peace while I lived on earth. It's just not worth it. Let them go. Where can you humble yourself? And let me tell you something. This is not good news. Jesus said... That you can either humble yourself or you can be humbled. It's a lot less painful to humble yourself than to be humbled. Trials, suffering has a way of humbling you. It pushes you beyond your ability. You end up at the end of your strength, at the end of your money, at the end of your wisdom... You just feel helpless. It's actually not a bad thing. God will get us to a place of humility if he can. But he will work at it because Satan feeds on pride, but God blesses humility. And so God's trying to bless you, but you need to let go. So I ask the question again this morning, where can you humble yourself? Can you take the advice of your wife? Can you let your kids teach you something? I'm going to get quiet and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to all of us in this moment. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit, because it might not be completely obvious to everyone, here or those of you online but everyone I want to ask you to ask the Holy Spirit this question where can I humble myself Feel like the Holy Spirit revealed something, someplace, someone, somehow to humble yourself. Just raise your hand. Feel like the Holy Spirit gave you something. Man, a lot of hands all around here. Yeah. Good, 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 good. Now we're gonna ask the Holy Spirit another question. Say what do you want me to do? Go ahead and ask them that question. Just close your eyes and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do specifically in that situation? Okay, now if you'll obey him what you will find is the last phrase of that verse which is absolutely tremendous and God will exalt you in due time and when he exalts you in due time it will be perfect you'll be like oh this is so much better than what I had planned God wants to exalt you. He's trying to get you there. But it's got to come through the door of humility. Some of you in here today have never given your life to Jesus. Online, some of you have never given your life to Jesus Christ. Some people have not come to Jesus because they don't think they need a Savior. That's pride. That's the ultimate pride. That's the ultimate pride on the planet, that you don't think you need a Savior, that either you're not as bad as the guy next to you or you think that you're going to show up on Judgment Day and impress God with your goodness. That is the ultimate human pride. And I just want to say to you with all compassion, you're not going to make it no one will make it to heaven by being a good person that is called religion it is called good works but the bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of god's holiness everyone but god loves you so much that he sent his only son to die for you and pay for your sins because you will never be able to do that yourself. You don't have enough money. You don't have enough time. You don't have enough strength. You don't have enough wisdom. The Bible says the penalty for sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through His Son, Jesus. The greatest moment of humility in your life will be when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior and allow God to freely forgive you of your sins. I'm going to give you that opportunity right now. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I just want you to slip your hand up or online, if you can make a comment right there online saying, I need to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, just slip your hand up and say, I need to give my life to Jesus for the givenness of my sins. I need to know I'm right with God. I need to know that all my sins are forgiven by God. I need the free gift of salvation. Anybody here today to slip your hand up and say that's me? Some of you may need to rededicate your life to Jesus. That you've never that you gave your life to Christ, but you feel distant from Him, and you want to come home. I just want to say, God is going to completely forgive you of every sin you've ever thought or committed, and you're going to have a fresh start with Him. He's like that. He just forgives and forgives and forgives and forgives. But you need to come home. So if that's you and you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, will you just raise your hand right where you are and say, I need to renew my relationship with Jesus. Online, if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord, just make a comment right there. We're going to reach out to you. Okay, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Let's just close your eyes and pray this prayer with me. Even though you're saved, I want you to pray it. For those that are about to pray it, they are not the only ones talking in the room here. Just say, dear Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. And I need a Savior. So I'm receiving you now as my Savior for the forgiveness of my sins and for an entry into heaven when I die. For those of you that have already done that, but you're rededicating, pray this prayer. Let's all pray it out loud. Dear Jesus, Jesus. I received you as my Savior, savior. but I have fallen away, and I want to come back. So I'm returning now, Lord. Please forgive me, renew me, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need your grace. I need your favor in Jesus name God is the God of hope and the way he breathes hope to you in the midst of your suffering is through your humility so when you get home you might want to get on your knees and say God I don't understand what's going on what's happened to me has not been fair but I'm on my knees and I'm saying God God I humble myself. I'm going to quit accusing you. I'm going to quit accusing others. And I'm just going to say, be with me in my suffering and show me what to do. I humble myself under your mighty hand. And I promise you, if you will do that, he will exalt you in due time. And you will experience the hope of God. Let's all stand and let's worship together.
1: He's awakening the hope in me by calling forth my destiny. He's breathing life into my soul. I will thirst for Him and Him alone. He has come like the rain showers on the barren place, and so my heart it's tongue confess, Jesus Christ, the hope of man, my hope, cause my hope is in you, God, I am still. To my soul, I, I will, will thirst, thirst for Him, and Him alone He is come. Like the rain yeah. that showers on the barren plain, and so my heart, the tongue confess, Jesus Christ, the oh, Bringing hope to the hopeless Giving his heart to the broken Sharing his home with the orphan He is the joy, he is my joy He is the hope of the nation The Father's heart we're embracing He is the song we're declaring He is the joy, he is my joy He is the hope to the hopeless Giving his heart to the broken Sharing his home with the orphan he is the joy. He is my joy. He is the hope of the nations. The Father's heart, we're embracing. He is the song we're declaring. He is the joy. He is my joy. He is my joy. Sing that hope arise. That hope arise. That hope.
0: Because I was sitting over there worshiping that uh, some of you just got your questions answered about why you've been having a hard time moving forward and seeing answered prayer and seeing breakthroughs and relationships that are sideways. It's pride. God is the proud. That humility, I'm telling you, we're going to get some testimonies this week people are going to get healings restoration of relationships promotions at work you're going to see God's favor rather than God's resistance because you humbled yourself it's worth it it's worth it just turn to your neighbor and say it's worth it it's worth it I'm going to encourage you this week to keep looking for places to humble yourself look for opportunities to humble yourself every time you do that you slam the door shut in Satan's face and you open up the door to God's favor amen amen yeah 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 humble 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 all right I'm gonna call the prayer teams up in about 15 minutes or so I'm gonna slide over to this other room it's right next to the men's bathroom it's where the younger kids are and I'm gonna do a I'm gonna do a a, a, a a class on getting to know the gathering place as you uh, choosing to make the gathering place your home, your church home, and I'm gonna and it's a free lunch. And so we're gonna slide over there. We might get over there a little sooner because I ended the service earlier than usual. Um, and uh, we'll just get started when the food comes. The food comes. We're just gonna get it going. I'm gonna ask the prayer teams to come up. If you need prayer, maybe around this message maybe you're having a hard time letting go of somebody who's hurt you or offended you you need to come up you need a little help these prayer teams are here for you maybe you need a fresh infilling to the holy spirit get your prayer language maybe you'll get prophecy the word of god they may speak a word of prophecy over you get your physical body healed give your life to jesus whatever it might be it's always good to come for prayer otherwise god bless you go be the salt and light of san diego in Jesus' name.